Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Big trade alert, as we know in the uh, emergency pod that we did uh, the other night. Big trade for CJ McCollum and others, Larry Nance Jr. and uh, Tony Snell also joining the Pelicans in return for Josh Hart and others, including Nikhil Sadaransky and uh, Diddy Lazada and some picks. Because I am not a front office expert and do not pretend to be i thought i would go and uh get some help to break all of this down this interesting trade deadline and i have requested and obtained the assistance of stephen bagel from our own sports ethos own bird rights podcast stephen how are you going Busy time of year, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk Pelicans. I'm glad that a trade went down because, you know, I wasn't so sure what the Pelicans were going to do. Now we know. So it's definitely um, definitely going to be a good conversation that we can have about it. Yeah, well, it was rumblings for, I don't know, weeks that, that they wanted to make a trade at the trade deadline and that it was going to be, uh, well, maybe a big fish. Pelicans have often missed out on that, uh, on that big... Uh, acquisition particularly in the mid-season but um we managed it the blazers blew everything up and cj mccollum and others are headed down to uh to the pelicans uh, are you able to uh, break down that trade for us and, and talk uh yeah talk the moving parts if possible yeah so it looks like from my perspective the trailblazers essentially are trying to i, I suppose open up cap space this summer because they, they, uh, they, as you saw, they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington as well. They got off Powell's five-year deal. Covington is an expiring, so that doesn't change much. But then, you know, they acquired more expirings in Sadoransky, who they then again moved. But Sadoransky, Nikki Alexander-Walker, they ended up trading to get off his money next year. So it just seems like the Trailblazers are trying to, I'm not sure, rebuild on the fly truck. I just, I can't picture this appeasing Dame, personally. So that's part one of it. Part two of it, and Larry Nance, of course, he's under contract next year as well. They wanted to get off of him. He fit into the Pelicans trade exception, which is why when I first saw the trade, I was like, okay, it's going to be CJ McCollum, and then it's going to be Tony Snell, and I figured like Cody Zeller, who they ended up cutting last night anyway, for Sadoransky and Josh Hart to make the money work. And then my guess was going to be Jackson Hayes. It ended up being Nikhil Alexander-Walker, which makes sense because, you know, they're trading for a guard. Obviously, they're going to give up a guard if they're able to, so they're not short big men. So I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm surprised. I know Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report and Mark Stein from the New York Times both were set on, okay, the Pelicans are going to get C.J. McCollum. And 
you know, it came to fruition. So I- I'm not shocked. It's just, I'm interested to see what the Pelicans do from here in regard to, you know, Zion's going to be due his rookie extension already. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to frame it. I picture them doing something similar to what the Sixers did with Joel Embiid, where there's like an injury provision in there. But I say that because they're a team that they're not a big market team. I, I don't see the owners really, you know, going deep into the luxury tax, if going to luxury tax at all. So I, I'm interested to see, because now with McCollum on the books, you have McCollum, you have Ingram, Zion song is rookie deal. You're adding Nance's contract next year. Already for next year, they're at 139 million. And the luxury tax is going to be at 145. So I believe they have almost everybody under contract aside from Tony Snell and the open roster spot they have. So six million, and they might not even have the first round pick now. So six million shouldn't, you know, put them in the luxury tax. But I'm saying a year after that, and then after that, that's when you know, the books start getting ugly. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at it all and with CJ McCollum's massive contract that they brought in, I think he's 30-odd million a year um, on the way in. I think that's a two-year deal and he becomes an expiring next year, so it'll be free agency 23-24. Yeah. No, he's actually under contract 23-24, so he's free agent 24-25. He has two okay. more years. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a I suppose it's one of those situations where, like you said, not a big market team. We, we don't get free agents very often wanting to come down. So I suppose acquiring these guys via trade is really the only option. Um, I don't remember when Boston went and landed uh, Kevin Garnett way back in what, 2007, 2008. And, you know, that was the only way that they were going to be able to get guys like that because guys just weren't signing there. And um, that's, you can almost mirror that a little bit. I mean, not to say that we go on and win a championship from this, but again, a big piece, the small market having to go and get, um, uh, going to get it by trade. And, and yeah, I mean, we're pretty, pretty happy with the, uh, with the result. Um, Portland are just, I don't know what they're doing. They're, they're blowing it all up. They went and got Joe Ingles is out all year with an ACL um, till the middle of next year. They're opening up cap space. Do you think from Portland's perspective, that they're going to be able to get free agents? They're another, I suppose, smaller market team as well. Yeah, that's why I said in the beginning when I first came on that I really don't understand what the end game is here. I mean, they, they did open up a $20 million trade exception that Jeremy Grant fits into. There is speculation that they are very interested in Jeremy Grants. But even so, even if you get Jeremy Grants and then figure you re-sign Nurchik and re-sign Simons, they really only have cash space if they let Nurchik walk. And if they're the Simons, well, that's significant money. And depends what they want to do because Josh Hart is a non-guaranteed as well next year. So I would keep him. I think he's well worth his contract. But again, I'm just saying if they wanted to open up space. So with that said, I mean, I just, I, I don't see, not only, I don't see anyone going to Portland who only play with Dame because they have nobody else they tore down to the studs. But there's not really that many free agents to have. I mean, you have Bradley Beal and James Harden and then Kyrie Irving. I don't know if he's opting out of his prior option now because he probably knows he's not getting signed anywhere. So I, I just, I don't see the free agents that the mid-tier guys, the Covingtons, the Larry Nances, the Norman Powell's, they had those guys. And now I think he's going to stick around because he was um, 
I believe he was best man in Dame's wedding. Yeah, he was definitely a groomsman. So him and Dame were close. So if you want to appease him, you re-sign Simons, you re-sign Nochick, and then figure you trade for granted that trade exception, there's all your cap space. It's gone. So is that team really all that much better than what they had to begin with? So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sitting there and, you, you know, you're sitting there with Dame having basically a, a redshirt year with the, uh, with the surgery and, and coming off and they're trying to retool, but you, you run a risk that all of a sudden Damian Lillard's got even more pressure on his shoulders because uh, there's no one else there to help. So uh, interesting to do that. Uh, from the Pelicans front, though, we go and get uh, another scorer, a 20 points per game scorer in CJ McCollum. Um, have you cast your mind at all as to what that brings to the Pelicans? I mean, that, I mean, we're excited. I think everyone at the Pelicans fan base is pretty excited about it. I mean, there's definitely reason to be excited. I just, my initial inclination when the trade went down is, sure, you have Herb Jones. He's been phenomenal. Rookies usually aren't great on the defensive end, and him and Evan Mobley are both clearly the two exceptions this year. But other than that, where is the defense coming from? I mean, you have a small backcourt now. Ingram isn't, you know, a world beater by any means. I just, that's my biggest concern. And I would love this trade a lot more, if you have Monzo Ball still rather than Devontae Graham. But I mean, just with the roster house constructed, I want to get excited about it, but I just, I don't know how that defense is deficient. Sure, the offense, especially when Zion's back, is going to be phenomenal. But I'm just, I'm not sure where that defense is going to come from. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting um, little. <laughs> exercise for Willie Green to, to, to get everyone in there. I mean, perhaps Devontae Graham goes back to the six-man role that he had in, in Charlotte and, and we play a bit taller, Brandon, at the two. I mean, that's a pretty long team if you're playing Jackson Hayes at the four, as we've seen in the last oh, four or five games. He's just been... I think that's honestly what saved him from being uh, shipped out in these uh, in these deals. Uh, it was rumours that he was being shopped around and then all of a sudden we played him at the four and he went ballistic. So... Uh, he may have may have saved his own uh, skin in, in that situation. Uh, I mean, we get the scoring punch. The offense is going to be fantastic. And I suppose that's something that we've really um, uh, struggled with, particularly with the second unit. I think the consistency of the second unit has been tough. So if it means that perhaps if DJ goes back to um, uh, six man or we just uh, fill it out with like guys like Larry Nance and, and Tony Snell, well, these guys can score the ball when when required. So fingers crossed, um, it mixes it up a little bit. I mean, the big knock on on uh, Josh and, and Nikhil is, well, Josh this year, he is exactly what he is, you know, rebound and run, get those transition buckets. Three-point uh, shot has improved, but again, he's probably as far as he's going to take it. And then you've got Nikhil, who some nights will drop you 30 and other nights will go one of 17. So uh, it makes it pretty... Um, pretty tough to, to hold on to guys like that when, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get night from night. Um, another big trade, and I mean, this is, I guess, another Western Conference team, which has just imploded. I don't know whether what they were doing, but uh, the Kings and the Indiana Pacers uh, pulled off a big trade for Sabonis, I suppose, is the, um, the key piece going to the Kings and then Halliburton going to the Pacers. Are you able to talk about that trade and um, 
what were the Kings doing there? And <laughs> Indy's got a stud in Halliburton. Yeah, this is one that like, when you're scrolling through Twitter and everyone is in agreement, it's like, okay, I, I just don't comprehend what that front office was thinking. Again, nobody on Twitter, not everyone on Twitter is an expert. I'm not saying that, but it just seems like everyone is in the same boat of why the heck would you give up Halliburton? Like Halliburton, I, I get it. The Kings lost or haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. This will be the 16th year. It would be the longest playoff drought in NBA history. But does Sabonis increases your chances at a playoff spot that much more than Halliburton did? I know you have the glut of guards with um, Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, and that opens up more minutes for them. But, I mean, I, again, Sabonis, two-time All-Star. He's a fine player. I don't want anyone to think I'm knocking him. But I think in order to trade a guy as young and as good as Halliburton is already, you need, like, a superstar-level talent. Like, and they obviously did not get that with Sabonis. So that, I think the Kings acted in desperation and that's really what it was. I think it looked like Sabonis was going to go elsewhere. And they said, oh, fine, we'll throw Halliburton on the table. And then the tri- that's why, like, usually you hear, like how I was talking about earlier, you hear CJ McCollum reported to the Pelicans, like speculated from multiple places. You heard nothing about Sabonis or Halliburton. So I think it just came together so quickly that they put him on the table and they said, okay, fine. Because there were teams that I was reading that said, if we knew Halliburton was going to be available, we would have, you know, ponied up. So I think the Kings could have done better if they really, if trading Halliburton was the goal. Now the Kings, I'm going to be interested to see if they make a subsequent move because there, I think, I think I read it today. I was like 12 points per hundred possessions worse with Harrison Barnes playing the three than the four. So I don't see any scenario where they play Holmes and Sabonis and Barnes. So I think Holmes is going to be moved tomorrow. So that's something I'm keeping my eye out for. But yeah, I mean, for the Pacers, I love it. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon can't be traded this year due to the contract extension he signed. I wouldn't be shocked if they flip Buddy Heald by tomorrow. I heard that he might be somewhere convoluted in a five-team trade where he would go to the Sixers in a Ben Simmons to James Harden swap. So I, I like it for Indiana, though, because Indiana, it was like, are they really going to, you know, blow it all up when they have Rick Carlisle, who they just hired as coach, when he's not really, you know, rebuilding coach? But now it's like they could do more of a retooling. They got the centerpiece of the rebuild in Halliburton. They don't need to blow it up anymore. So... I like it for the Pacers, don't like it for the Kings. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers got, got a stud and, you know, put him against, um, alongside uh, Duarte and, and Brogdon as well. You know, that uh, pretty good backcourt, i tell, <laughs> tell you what. Um, it's interesting what the Kings were doing. I mean, you go and acquire talent and try to do things like that. But like you said, you know, Holmes is probably the odd man out, which is a shame because he's been, he's been pretty good until he went and got uh, COVID just recently. Um, you know, he's probably still coming back a little bit from that. But otherwise, uh, it was a real head scratcher. I, I don't understand. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. The Kings just being the Kings. But that's all right for the Pelicans because the Kings are on our tail for that playing spot and, and potential play, playoff spot. So, you know, if, if it all falls apart for them, well, all better for the Pelts. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased. But. Yeah, and now the Pelicans really have incentive to make the playoffs because of that pick they gave up for um, C.J. McCollum. I mean, 
again, I feel like trading for CJ McCollum was kind of an omission that, okay, maybe we shouldn't have relied on Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis to be our backward of the future when we let Lonzo Ball walk. So they kind of retracted on that. But CJ McCollum, I mean, he's at probably this point in negative value contracts. And that pick might be pretty good. I mean, it goes to the Trailblazers, I believe it's 5-14. to 14, yeah. Which right now it's pick 9 if it ended today. So yeah. with that said, the Pelicans really have incentive to make the playoffs and keep that pick. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think if it's any further up, then it goes to the Hornets for uh, the... Uh, Devontae. Yeah, for Devontae Graham. So somehow um, David Griffin managed to split a first-round pick into two um, and, and managed to trade them both. And I think it turns into future picks. we got Milwaukee picks from the Drew Holiday trade. So it's, it is... I think there is an incentive. And I also think it's one of those things that if you make playoffs and Zion's sitting there in Portland rehabbing, looking at the team and you're saying, well, look, we're willing to make moves to be successful. You know, I think a lot of it is to say, well, look, you've got to sign this big contract. Yeah, okay, we're going to give you the injury exceptions or whatever like um, Embiid got. But if you're not injured, you don't have to worry about it. So um, I really think that was a, a move as well to show, well, Zion, who's a franchise cornerstone as well, that we want to compete and we're going to do it quickly and, look, we'll do it this year and you come in here and all of a sudden you've got a, a pretty good team to, to come back to. I mean, I don't know how many teams are able to add a, a, a Zion Williamson caliber player um, without making any moves at all. He just comes back into a team that's already pretty solid and hopefully uh, can continue to win. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, this James Harden trade, you talked about it uh, or alluded to it a bit earlier on. Is there any, is there, I know the smoke was fired. Do you think there is any chance of this happening, the Ben Simmons drama ending in Philly and perhaps moving to the Nets? Or um, do you think it's all conjecture at this point? It's funny because I'm a Sixers fan and I actually thought we were going to get James Harden the first time when he wanted out of Houston and trade Ben Simmons then, before, obviously, this whole debacle went down. At this point, I would say, my brother-in-law actually asked me today, what are the chances Harden gets traded by tomorrow? I put it at 65% chance. Um, Only because I think the Nets know he's going to end up in Philly one way or another. I mean, if he wants out, which apparently, according to Brian Winhurst this morning, he's screaming, get me out here, I don't want to be here. He's sitting out games. He's missing, I think, his fourth or fifth in a row tonight. The Nets have lost nine in a row. So as, as it, you, you had the perfect phrase, will the smoke was fire? So 
I personally believe, yes, James Harden more likely than not will end up on the Sixers tomorrow. My bet is that the Nets get something along the lines of like Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and a first round pick of some kind. That probably 2023. That's what I envision. Now, there's been speculation that, as I said, there's like a four or five team are going on where Sixers will get Buddy healed. Tobias Harris would go to OKC and they would eat his contract. And then they said there was a mystery fifth team involved, which I would imagine the Sixers would be getting some kind of power forward or some kind of forward in general in, with that. So, again, I'm on my toes as a Sixers fan, waiting to see what happens. I'm ready. I, I trust Daryl Morey. I think that, you know, we're going to get hard on one way or another, and I, I get why he's being patient. Because, look, he's been patient saying we won one of the big stars. And everyone said, oh, well, none of them are available. All of a sudden, Harden wants out. Portland's blowing it up, so they might want out. And there's all of a sudden speculation that Bradley Beal's not going to resign in Washington. So this is why you hold out for this possibility. Now you have three bites at the apple to, you know, find and be running needs. But at the same time, the Sixers are two games out of the one seed. And you don't want to waste – and Bede's a front-runner for MVP right now based on Vegas odds. You don't want to waste that season. You want to try to, you know, go for it. And – if you just have that dead draft spot in Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey are the best you're going to get around Embiid, you're not going to win at all. So I'm hoping, you know, even if you have to give a little more, even if we were to get Harden in the summer, I'm okay with giving a little more to get him now. Really make that push for the uh, that championship. Jeez, could you imagine Harden and Embiid together? I mean, as a, as a Sixers fan, you must just be chomping at the bit for that to go through. It'd be fantastic. Um, Stephen, you've done a massive three-part um, article about playing GM of the of the league, I guess, and getting all the different guys in to do it. Be able to talk about that? I thought it was a really fun article over at uh, Sports Ethos and um, how that all came to fruition. And part three dropping well, probably as we're recording this. I hope so. Yeah, so I call it I call it my firstborn child. It's the mock trade deadline. I also do a mock offseason as well. So before you know it, I'm already going to be working on that. I typically used to do it just myself, playing with salaries, flipping guys, doing what trades made sense. This year, this is my first year with Sports Ethos. They, um, I ran it by Dan, and he said, okay, well, you know, let's expand this thing. And I got 14 other GMs, me being the 15th, and we all represented two teams in negotiations. So I was in every negotiation, micromanaging everything. So one, I could write the article and two, to make sure like nothing fishy or not fishy because I guess it's a fake thing, but nothing outrageous would go down without like my approval. So we, we did see the first part, I would say some of the trades were more unrealistic. We saw like Toronto completely blow it up and trade Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. And then things started settling down. And, you know, once more speculation came out of teams wanting guys, like Jeremy Grant was actually the last trade we ended up making. And he's probably the most likely guy to be traded tomorrow. So it, it was definitely a fun exercise seeing other people's perspective on it rather than my own and seeing how they value guys. I got a lot of guys from Sports Ethos involved, so they were able to help me out. And I actually ran by our Trailblazers um, GM, unfortunately got COVID right in the beginning of it. So he wasn't really able to do much. So I I was helping him out with negotiating. And I actually went to the owner of the Pelicans and said, hey, do you have interest in CJ McCollum? And he goes, nah, too much money. I'm not interested. 
And then a few days later, the trade happened. I'm like, ah, oh, I could have had this in my article and then it happened in real life. But it is what it is. That, that, that's the downside to, you know, working with other people. Everyone's going to value you guys differently. I try to make it as realistic as possible. And obviously I'm not going to get the, almost any of them read. I almost never do. But it's to show, okay, this is what you can expect. A team to do something similar to this. And I did have the Kings trading Halliburton and Heald for Ben Simmons. There were some picks in there as well. But I did have Halliburton and Heald being moved, which happens. What else did I have? I had um I had Sabonis being traded. Well, I, the GMs and myself, had um had Sabonis being moved to the Warriors. And Sabonis was the least likely out of the three between Turner, Levert, and Sabonis to be moved. So I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not taking any victory laps. But again, the whole point of the exercise is to, hey, this could happen, something similar within this framework. And that's what I want to show people. And I, I think year one of this was definitely a success. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really enjoying it. Waiting for the, uh, the final installment to, to drop so I can uh, chomp down. That is, I mean, I love all that sort of um, GM sort of stuff and, and the front office. I wish I was one of those capologists that understood it all and where the pits are moving and across all the different teams. But um, yeah, such an awesome exercise. Um, appreciate you jumping on here. Before, you, before we pack up, do you have anything else you'd like to shout out and where can we find you? And yeah, thanks very much for coming on. You can find me on Twitter at BirdRidesPod. You can listen to the Bird Rights podcast. I just recently last week had Yossi Goslin, who is Who Pipes Salary Cap Guru on the pod. And you know, if you're interested in that front office stuff, we talked about all 30 teams at the deadline, what we could expect them to do. A lot of them, Yossi and his trade deadline promo was right. Even small things like the Heat moving KZ or Paula, we talked about that happened today. Small things like that. So we did touch on all 30 teams, whether how big or how small the moves were. So that's definitely something that you guys should listen to prior to the deadline if you're interested. And yeah, let's read my three parts trade deadline simulation, mock trade deadline that was posted on Sports Ethos website. You don't need a subscription to the site. It's free for all listeners or all um, viewers. And yeah, that's pretty much what I have going on right now. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And um, yeah, the trade deadline show as well for Sports Ethos. Are you yes. Are you getting on there? Are you? I am. I, I believe I'm going to be there towards the end to break down a lot of the trades. So I think Dan hasn't given me a definitive time yet, but I think I'm the 3.30 to 4 o'clock slots. Yeah, cool. So, I'll be there at the end to break down everything from a phone office perspective. Awesome. Well, if you're listening out there and you're missing out on the uh, all of this trade deadline, well, coverage, um, yeah, make sure you're listening in. And uh, Stephen, thank you so much for jumping on. We'll, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Well, I'll have to do it again during the offseason when, you know, the Pelicans are able to make some signings. Yeah, that'll be sounds good. Awesome. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. So thank you once again to Stephen for jumping on the pod and having a chat about the trade deadline. I really appreciate all of the knowledge that he imparted and hopefully uh, we'll see a few of these go down. Um, And the league may very well be a different place by the end of tomorrow. So looking forward to seeing all of that. And um, yeah, the new guys suiting up as we saw... um, 
they'll be joining the Pelicans. CJ and Tony Snell uh, will be suiting up on Saturday against the Spurs. So looking forward to seeing those guys. Uh, Josh Hart apparently may play tonight against the Lakers, which will be coming up just after this podcast drops. So if you want to watch the uh, Portland Lakers game to support Josh, go and do that. Um, in addition, uh, Christian Clark just dropped an article saying that Larry Nance, who was also part of the trade, has a crook knee, and um, he's gonna he may be having some surgery to address that. So we've picked up a guy who is injured, which is an interesting choice. But again, um, he's out with right knee soreness. He's been sidelined since January and uh, is going to have surgery on Friday. So hopefully they can get that sorted and, um, you know, resolved and he can be back on the court sooner rather than later because he will be a key piece going forward. So I'm going to pivot a little bit and um, after having the chat with Stephen, I thought that was a good way to kick us off, but we're also going to break down the uh, the Houston game. So tough um, day for the Pelicans. A bittersweet is how... Uh, Billy, uh, Billy, Willie Green described it uh, with the trade of Nikhil, Josh, Sato, and Diddy. Uh, all of them contributed in their own ways. And um, to s- one of the things that we hadn't seen before was guys that had just been traded actually showing up to the game and sitting as, as spectators. Josh and and Nikhil, along with their partners, uh, sat alongside um, the court on the opposite side, court side. And, uh, and cheered on their guys. And after the game, very emotional. Uh, all the guys came up and gave them a cuddle. And, you know, that's uh, something I hadn't seen before. But really, that's a testament to the culture that they're building there, that these guys have been in the trenches, you know, starting 1-12, and 3-16. and 16. And when the chips were down, these guys were there and they showed up every night. So I can't criticise them for their dedication dedication to this team and uh, and we appreciate what they brought um, yeah so really nice touch and, and to see these guys uh, be disappointed about not being here I think they can see the future's pretty bright and uh, you know they're a big um, a, a big foundation of how we got to this point so uh, really uh, touching moment and uh, we wish them all the best with their next moves, Josh being in Portland and Nikhil now being in Utah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Thomas also was moved, um, I think, to the Spurs in the three-team trade. So, um, interesting, but uh, again, we're win-streaking, we're undermanned, and we managed to put the uh, put it aside and, and pull out another win against Houston. So, four-game win-streak, um, we defeated them uh which was nice against Houston, who, again, were, I don't know, they were an interesting um, bunch. 110 to 97, we ended up pulling it out. Brandon Ingram was huge with um, with 26 points. He was he was massive. Herb Jones with 10 and 11 first career, a double-double, and 13, 8, and 3 for JV. Najee Marshall got some minutes off the bench, 20 minutes, had uh, 14 points, and Jose with 12, Trey Murphy with 9. It was um it was one of those games that you could see the emotion behind it and the guys it, I think everyone felt it a little bit um, particularly when the guys rocked up I think that was really a touching moment and um, all credit to them and the character that they are in terms of being um, 
on the sidelines and and being involved with the team it was uh, that was really really nice and you know you lose some brothers but you get some more brothers and no doubt guys like Jackson and Nikhil and um, Josh Hart and BI and guys like that they're all going to be in touch still because this team is something different I know I've never seen anything like this and I've never been so invested in a team such as this and you know when you the chips are down this team keeps showing up so all credit to them and you know we get once we get healthy um it's going to be pretty tough to stop us i tell you what so i'm going to leave it at that as always this is the sports ethos new orleans pelicans podcast i am lyle swithenbank at lyle swithenbank on twitter at ethos pelicans is the show and uh i'll speak to you later on bye for now